listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're listening to the Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. That's right. I hope you have your party hat on. I imagine you wear cowboy boots to any party in Texas. We'll have to ask our guests. Welcome to the show, Dusty. Have you got cowboy boots on? Oh, of course. Everybody in Texas wears cowboy boots. You know that. Everywhere, right? (laughs) Everywhere. Everywhere. Well, even the cats in Texas can wear cowboy boots, I'm told. Well, yeah, but they don't enjoy it. (laughs) They don't enjoy it. Yeah, you know. So do the dogs. I've only had, you know, all these years I've seen dogs dressed up, cats dressed up in all kinds of costumes, and then they came out with these booties for dogs that were supposed to protect their feet in bad weather, salt weather, or if a dog was injured. And I was really skeptical. I thought, there's no way a dog's going to keep those on. And then I had a guest of mine, a dog come here, big dog, with an allergy to grass, of all things. And he sent to a five-acre farm, my place, which is grass, right? Everywhere. Grass, 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 grass. It's lovely. Dogs love it. Okay, so now what do I do? So I bought these boots for him. Dog's name was Van. Big, white, fluffy, poodly guy. Giant dog. Put the purple boots on him. And I thought, okay, this is going to last 10 seconds. No, it didn't. His feet were so sore and so red and so itchy from his grass allergy that the minute we put those boots on, he was like dancing dog. He was so happy. He didn't take them off at all. We had to take them off when he came in. It was like amazing. So I think sometimes they know. And they know when you're dressing them up with something inappropriate, don't they? <laughs> I, I believe they do. They they know that this this is embarrassing. I don't know what the picture looks like, but yes, I um, don't want this on my head. <laughs> I'm a dog. I do not need a hat. I am a cat. I do not need a sweater. That's sort of the thing. I think they know. But um, have you ever, you know, have have you ever seen the things for cat paws to stop them from maybe scratching your sofa? Or do those work at all? I, I would think my cats but, would just spend the entire afternoon getting them off. Well, the nail caps actually do work, but they're, uh, they can be a, a little bit of work for you. First of all, the cats don't like them, so they are going to pull them off and, and chew on their feet a little bit. Some of them will come off. They're, they're tiny, so if they swallow them, it's probably not going to be a big issue. But the thing is, they work really well, and I tested them one time, and I left them on my cat's feet as long as I could, and they almost grew into the pads. So when uh, when I saw that, it was an important thing for me to learn because they don't automatically yes. come off. And you have the instructions that you're supposed to take them off after six weeks. So they really do mean that. Do take them off after six weeks because you don't want them growing into the pads. So You know, I've had bad results myself when I've had a a professional manicure and I didn't remove the gel nail or whatever you know I didn't realize it was a different thing now and I just thought oh good it lasted and then I realized well that's not very good for my nail underneath there you know so right. I think these, some of these modern things there, then you're going to get you're going to get fungus and all kinds of stuff so yeah it, uh, it's, it's got to be worse for cats though I mean I'm not crawling around the litter box so it, right. I kind of would think it, taking them off would be definitely a must Okay, so there was something in the news I wanted to ask you about. And at first, it, because the news, you know, they like to make things sound very, 
I guess, like there's two sides and a victim. So they announced it as a new breed ban on Air Canada. And I thought, oh, no, I've got to hang on after the commercial break to find out what this is. You know, what's the new breed they're deciding to say is too vicious to fly on the airline? Okay, let's see. Well, it wasn't that. It was actually, I think, maybe a goodwill gesture in a way, although I don't know what people are going to do, and it will affect cats too. Air Canada has decided that it is no longer safe for them. They do no no longer want to take the risk of flying any dogs, and I assume cats, with the pushed-in face. Now, I understand the reason, and maybe you can talk about this with cats, but with dogs... They have extra breathing problems, extra issues, mm-hmm. and pressure and flying can make them, you know, collapse and die. So Air Canada doesn't want to do that anymore. And some of the owners are really, you know, trying to sue them, trying to change things because Air Canada did have a good dog policy and does have points. And so there's some issues there. But I don't know. Would you, if you had a pushed in face cat, would you fly it, Dusty? And do you think the airline should be able to say no on that basis? Well, I mean, let's face it, no airline wants to get sued because an animal dies in their cargo hold. I mean, first of all, you don't want to have to pay for legal fees and and, uh, payouts, but also it's just not good PR, Uh, you know, uh, because we all hear the things, uh, the stories about the airline lost this cat or lost this dog, and, and nobody wants that. But I recently adopted a pug mix, and I'm not sure what he was mixed with, but he has a, an actual snout. He has a snout that sticks out by, like, two inches. So, fortunately, he doesn't have the issues of the, the brachiopholic dogs. And, you know, I mean, how would people feel if they put their cat or dog in a, a hold and they died? I mean, it's just nobody wins that situation. But then these people may, what's their choice? They're going to either not travel with the pet, not take the pet, rehome the pet, travel some other means like, you know, by land. Maybe they're going to just go to another airline. I mean, I don't know. What do you think their options? I I don't know what their options would be. I mean, if you've got a cat, then hopefully you would be able to fly it in the cabin. But, uh, you know, if you're talking... Well, that's uh, true, too. When you come to the cats, yeah. Although, there have been all these issues lately where someone goes to fly with their cat and someone else goes to fly with allergies and who do you bump, right? And and it's, it's a terrible thing. I remember back in the day when I was on a flight, a really long flight to Europe as a girl or a teenager, I can't remember exactly, but there was smoking on the flight and they had this little curtain and then, you know, behind the curtain, there was smokers in front of the curtain. There wasn't. And the whole thing was recirculated through the fans. So we were all smokers for that flight. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine if you were terribly, terribly allergic to animals, having my cat or dog anywhere on the flight is going to really throw you for a loop in the air. So what's the answer? I I agree with that. But on the other hand, (laughs) if they're going to do that, I mean, I'm covered with cat hair. I'm covered with cat dander. I would think my physical presence with my entire body being covered with... You are the cat lady. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, are are they going to test me and keep me off? I mean, the the person... Oh, boy, yes. ...of being disturbed by the dander on my clothes than they do a cat who is is properly in a a carrier and left under the seat. That's so interesting. Well, we're talking with Dusty Rainbolt, author of one of my favorite books ever on cats, cat wrangling made easy, but also recently author of a new book, Cat Scene Investigator. 
Solve your cat's litter box mysteries. The litter box mystery is the number one thing whenever Dusty and I do a show together and we invite (laughs) callers. Every single call, three out of five, three out of four, sometimes four out of four, are about cats who are doing their business any place but the litter box, in the bathtub, on the bathroom floor, in the kitchen, in the on, in the shoes, anywhere on the carpet. That's a popular one. In secret places behind the sofa. Oh, Dusty, there's so many places. Have you got some more places? Where's some good places, cats? Oh, well, let's see. I've heard of cats that go on top of the Stove and uh, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh okay. yes, and, and of course, dirty clothes. Uh, yes, cats yes. like to spray dirty clothes. So. They do. They and, like and mounds then, of laundry on the floor, clean or dirty, because you know yes. it's only clean till they spray it, and then it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it smells like them, and isn't that wonderful? So. <laughs> oh, especially stale, a few days old. Tuck a little mouse left over in there, and now now we've got that perfume. Mm. So, okay, why do they leave those bits of the mice anyway? Why is it always the same skin and intestines and the little giblets? What, what's, what's the deal with that? Is it like a gross experiment that they've all agreed on throughout the feline world? We will not eat these bits. Are they kosher, cat kosher? Is that what it is? <laughs> It might be kosher, you know, a type, a feeling kosher. But, you know, I don't know. We've had uh, kitties that have uh, consumed all of them. And then uh, I've had friends that tell me that they found a tail and only the tail. So I don't know that it's really universal throughout all of Cat Kingdom. But oh, uh, they, okay. they do tend to, I, I have found little entrails, of course, and uh, at different times heads. So, uh, you know. I guess it just depends on whether they want the crunchy bits that night or if they want the uh, soft ones. So, yeah. Well, yes, but I also think some of those things you're talking about are the most prized part of the mouse. The head is actually a gift to you, Dusty. Isn't it that is. lovely? <laughs> Happy birthday, Dusty. Here's a mouse head, decapitated, warm and fresh, for you to step there on you. as you wake up. Isn't that nice? That's nice. there done that <laughs> totally done that <laughs> i used to tell a riddle i forget how it goes what oh i can't think how it goes it's all, i'll think of it after the break okay so we're going to go to break we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little more about some of these topics i want to ask you i'll let you think about it on the break is hierarchy unavoidable i want to ask you that and i'll give you a few examples okay so we'll be back we're talking to the cat wrangler herself dusty rainbow author of cat scene investigator Solve your cat's litter box mysteries and me, Deb Wolf, on Animal Party at Pet Life Radio. So stay tuned. Come back to the party. We'll be back soon. Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super-absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're 
inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. You're on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf, and my guest, one of my favorites. I think my favorite cat guest. I think so. Yes, definitely. Dusty Rainbow. Author of Cat Scene Investigator, Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mysteries. If you have a cat that is leaving you presents, not uh, dead mice, but actual urine and feces and little poopies and pooplets and streaks and marks of any kind, you need this book, Cat Scene Investigator, Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mysteries. Dusty has a way of getting to the solution with practical, realistic, easy-to-follow advice And you're smiling as you read the book, realizing that you're not the only person scrubbing your carpets after such mishaps. So, Dusty, is hierarchy unavoidable? I have this cat, Tiger, and he's a good size male. And I have these two little ones that are much smaller than him and younger than him. And whether they're together or apart, they're sisters, they pick on him. And he is so cowering and submissive and wussy. And then I have another cat, uh, Knuckles, who used to be a pretty chill kind of, I used to joke he's like a Rastafarian, every, every day is a good day, and he's always mellow, and you know, even when this big giant cat from next door started visiting, intact cat, and taking food and everything, he didn't blink, you know, just doesn't care. Well, he's decided to pick on Tiger too now, and really pick on him, attack him sometimes outside, and I almost think like Tiger's inviting it by being such a wuss, but... No matter what cats I have, you know, sometimes the bully will get old and die off. And then somebody else seems to become the bully. So in a moderate way, I mean, Knuckles isn't, isn't a tyrant. Is it unavoidable? Is it okay to let them have their status? It depends. Uh, how old are the youngsters that are kind of picking on him? How old is I they? They're, how- uh, they're about two years difference. I think they're about three or two, and he's about four or five. They're quite young. Uh-huh. And then the okay. one who's, like, in charge is a couple years older than that. I mean, they're not – nobody's elderly. Nobody's, like – Tiger should be in his prime. He should, he should not be such a wuss. But that's my terrible judgment of my daughter's cat. Maybe he isn't a wuss. Maybe he's doing the best he can. Well, uh, you know, I'm doing research for my new book, which is uh, another multi-cat book. And what I'm learning – it's uh, this is uh, new for me – I don't think hierarchy is avoidable at all. I mean, you think about it, it, dogs, they have a hierarchy. It's, you know, if you have more than one dog, you've got the hierarchy. In a family, you've got a human hierarchy. In a in an office, you have a hierarchy. So, you know, I mean, that's just part of life, uh, and I don't think it really matters what species you are. So when someone has really chill pets, like I, you know, used to be around here, sort of more chill with the cats, more lovey, when they do, is there just an unseen hierarchy, perhaps? Well, uh, hierarchy in in cats is uh, rather fluid. It's uh, situational, and it depends on the time of the day and the cats who are present and uh, what room they're in. So it's, you know, uh, uh, some cats are dominant in one room and not another. Some cats uh, uh, will claim the window a certain time of day because that's when the the sun is there. But uh, another issue, I I don't know what Tiger's history is, but um, cats learn about relationships from the cats they're around. And if they were taken away from mama too soon, then they don't learn how to be a cat. They don't know how to relate to, to other kitties. And uh, 
So what do you do when somebody starts picking on you? If you've never been told, if you've never had siblings or other cats to be around, then how do you learn? You know, how do people learn to clean house? They learn from their, their parents. Well, what he does is he cowers and complains in a really loud voice (laughs) until more come sometimes. Uh Like instead of one picking on him, now there's two. Or Knuckles, the big guy, he'll just be fed up with it and jump him. And then I don't know what to do because there's sort of a moving ball of two cats. Uh, Nobody ever gets hurt. Nobody ever bites. There's never even, hardly ever even fur. So I kind of think it's mostly posturing. Is that right? It could be, but you know, the you do need to intervene because obviously this is not fun for him. No. And, uh, you know, I mean, hierarchy is one thing, but picking is a, a whole different thing. And the more they are allowed to pick on him, the more it becomes an entrenched behavior in both them and him. So yeah, oh, I see that. He's, it's him. He's we, he's the one who's entrenched. He's entrenched victim now. He walks into every yeah, room and, like and, a victim. And the more and the more they pick on him, the more they are entrenched bully. So yeah, for sure. So we need to shake it up a little bit. Uh, perhaps uh, plug in some feel away. So he's feeling. You know, I love confident. that stuff. Uh, yeah, I do use that stuff. I have it plugged in, and we're talking about feel away pheromone diffuser spray. Mm-hmm. It's so good, but it makes my lovey cats ridiculous like (laughs) they lounge around and lick each other it doesn't seem to affect the skittish one though unfortunately you know makes everybody else like a commune and he's still on the out he's still like the city dweller who's not allowed through the gate you know exactly well now there's uh, another product can i talk about another product yeah okay there's a, a product called century I think it's Good Cat Calming Collar. And I have a cat that tends to be aggressive. He's he's blind, and he's kind of the bully. And when I know it's time to change his collar when he starts, well, he's sitting on my lap, as a matter of fact, I know it's time to change his collar when he starts beating up on the other cats. And uh, this collar just tends to mellow him out. You know, and the, the I'd nice have to get three the of those. I'd have to get well, them for uh, the two little girls and the big guy. Oh, well, I wish I had a collar for confidence to stick on the neurotic one. There's no one. Well, uh, this 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 is a calming. This has pheromones from the lactating queen, and so it is uh, very calming. But it also has a feeling of well. I don't know. I've just I've noticed that it really works well. So if you put it on him, that may help calm him down and make him less fearful. And it may make them like him and like having him around. Where can I get that, I wonder? I wonder if I can get it in Canada. You can get it any pet store, uh, Amazon, you can get it anywhere. Okay, well, listeners, stay tuned to that because I will, in the next few weeks, I will report back on how that's going. I will go out and try and find that thing and stick it on the nervous neurotic cat and let you know if it works. Because Dusty's made some suggestions for me in the past that have worked really, really well. So, And the whole timeshare idea, I just love that. The fact that cats will fight over a spot because it's valuable when the sun shines through is so like us with our timeshares. I mean, who wants to go to your timeshare in Florida during hurricane season? You don't. You want to go in winter, right? You don't want to go in summer when it's hot at home. 
You want to go when it's cold at home. Same idea with the cat. They don't want to sit in the window when there's no sun, but when there's sun, that's when they're going to fight over it. And the dominant cat's going to be in that window. You help me so much in understanding my cats. So thank you. Well, there's one other thing. I would also recommend that the uh, kitties that tend to be the bullies, you need to take them out and individually play with them 10 minutes a day. I mean, just wear them okay. out. If uh, uh, exercise creates uh, or releases serotonin in the brain, and so when you're exercising them, you're doing a number of things. You're releasing serotonin, which increases the feeling of well-being, and also you're using up excess energy that they might use to torment tiger. And so, you know, the other three cats... And then at some point, go ahead and exercise him, too. You know, serotonin couldn't hurt him either. Well, you know, Kate, maybe you're going to dispel a myth now here that I might believe in. Uh Uh-oh. But I always thought, because my cats have cat doors and freedom to go outside, and they spend a lot of time outside running around, especially the nervous one. He's always outside. He's he's in the trees. He's racing around. He's, He's very, very active. I thought that I didn't have to exercise them. No? Well, you know, without actually seeing your cats, it's a little hard to tell. But it never hurts to, to give them more exercise because, you know, it's just it's a bonding experience for you. So even if he's getting plenty of exercise, is he getting really active exercise? How much activity is he getting? I mean, he is climbing trees. but let's There's a lot of hunting. It's, it's all hunting. So it's a lot of mm-hmm. watching, stalking. Maybe it's not that active. And then they eat, of course. So they're mm-hmm. they're on the chunky side, if that's what you were asking. But <laughs> no, but it doesn't. I didn't it ask did. that. But yeah, you know, let's give them ten minutes of active play twice a day. Oh and no, see a new job. Okay, you know it's pretty easy to accomplish because whenever I work out, they mess with me completely. Mm-hmm. They won't let me do yoga poses. They won't let me do sit ups. They're all over everything. They, if my hair's down, they're chasing my hair. If my hair's up, they're chasing my ponytail. They like the elastic resistance I use. I mean, yeah, it's real easy to get them. I just have to, instead of teaching them to leave me alone, I'll have to just play with them instead. Okay, so we're going to yeah. go to another break, and then we're going to come back. Did you hug your cat today? Well, Dusty's going to tell you, or I think she's going to tell you, why that might have not have been such a great experience for your cat. Stay tuned. We'll be back at Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. The standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. Cortisone. Antihistamine. Multiple creams. Antibiotics. Spray. Multiple prescriptions. Steroid injections. Spray. Sharp antibiotics. Steroid cream. No results. It was neglect. The other owners didn't care enough about him to take care of him and to give him the nutrition he needed. A nutritional supplement like Dynavite. To be the healthy, happy dog he is today. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Put some nutrition in your dog. The vet that I trust recommended Dynavite. The dog I have today, because of Dynavite, has a sparkle in his eye, a lush coat, healthy skin. When you rescue a dog, you've got to feed him right for life. Dynavite will make your dog a happy dog. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. 
We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. We're back on Animal Party at Pet Life Radio. And you know, you walk into a house, you walk into a party, you hug everybody. You come home, you hug your dog, you hug your cat. Do you think your dog and cat really like being hugged? Dusty, do cats like being hugged? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it has to do with the amount of trust they have. But one thing that people don't think about, uh, they'll pet their cat, and the, the, the cat kind of enjoys it for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden uh, they're hissing or they're scratching or biting or whatever. And cats, cats in colonies have companions, and they will associate with these, these uh, I like to call them uh, BFF, uh, best feline friends. And uh, so they're, they're BFF, they'll groom each other and, and cuddle and lay their head on top of their back or whatever. But cats generally groom the head, the throat, the face. They don't go down and touch the back of the the, the the lower back or the tail or the tummy. And so I recently read this one paper that said that uh, people who are, are on the receiving end of teeth and, and uh, nails uh, when they're petting them probably pet them in a place that cats are not intended to be touched. And, uh, you know, if you, if you pet your cat around the, the neck and face, that's where they're supposed to be groomed, and you'll get the best reception. However, you know, you touch them in these other places, they might be sensitive, they might be painful, and you might get bitten. I think about hugs. I have one cat who loves to be hugged, jumps into my arms, puts its paws one side of each neck, uh, one side of each, you know, um, on my neck, and, and kind of puts its face right under my chin. Mm-hmm. But it is a cat that I rescued at three weeks age. It was brought to me with another cat. It's that little one I was talking about before, the two little girls. And they had to be milk fed. And so it has all these mixed up ideas about who I am. It really does. It has no idea that I'm a human and it's a cat and it's not clear. The rest of my cats, when I hug them, they'll accept it and they'll spring and try to sort of change how I'm cuddling them. They'll sort of try to walk over me or on me or whatever. But they don't really like being made to feel tiny and small and surrounded and helpless. You know, that's not really their thing. And that's what hugging kind of does to a tiny little animal, I think. Or a tiny little dog, too. When when you're prey, when you're prey like cat is... uh, Somebody grabbing you like that is is a very threatening thing. I mean, cats feel threatened just when you stare at them, much less when you grab them and cuddle them. That's why uh, in a room full of uh, cat lovers, the guy who is avoiding eye contact with the cat, the cat's all over him. Hey, this dude has got uh, manners. And the people who love the cats and they're coming over and grabbing at them, 
Uh, the cat doesn't want any part of that because that's that causes fearful behavior. I mean, they're afraid of it. So yeah, I understand that. I also think a lot of times when I'm asked because uh, usually sometimes I go because a cat is really, really, really bad, really destructive, really nasty or aggressive, and people will bring me in to train it. But usually I'm there to see the dog, and then while I'm there, they're like, oh, can you tell me about it? And they start interjecting all this cat stuff. Why isn't the cat doing this, that, the other? Usually starts with the litter. But sometimes sometimes they ask me, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, they say, well, he likes to be pet, and then all of a sudden he doesn't. And it's so simple, just Go gentler. Go gentler. So much of the time, I find, they're just too hard. He can take it for a few pets, but it's just too hard. They're they're 10 pounds. What are you doing? Roughing them up. Like, what is that? What, what's that for? Do you see that as well? Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's uh, kind of frustrating because I get these kitties that uh, people have, you know, they got them when they were six weeks, 12 weeks old, and, oh, they taught them to, to fight and, and grab. And, and it's adorable when you have an eight-week-old kitten who's, who's uh, nibbling on your fingers. It's not so cute when he's 12 pounds and he's got these pointy little needles that uh, are uh, penetrating your skin and, and these nails uh, that are uh, also like needles. So, you know, gentle is a thing, but also the location. Just pet the cat on the head, the face, the throat. That's where they they just love that. Don't go for the other areas, the long strokes all the way down the, the body. And that can hyperstimulate them. So, In, Because of the work I do, I meet so many cats, and I try to let the cat show me. And it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to do, you know. I don't know why so many people resist what the animal clearly is asking for. You know, the dog is grinding his head into the person's hand, trying to get an ear scratch, and they're bonking him on the bum. Why are they doing that? Why? why? He wants to be pet here. He's showing you the pressure he wants, the place he wants, and everything. You want to make friends with this dog, do it like he wants it, right? It's like if you asked a, you went to a massage therapist and you said, is the pressure good? And you said no, and he said, tough. I'm going to do it this way anyway. What? You know, that's not friendly. <laughs> right, exactly. That, that's an excellent example. And so, you know, leave them wanting more. It's better if you stop too soon than after they're starting to thrash their tail around or, or you know, their ears are starting to go back or their, their whiskers are, are going back. And But then on the other hand, sometimes I've had a cat who loved to be petted on the head so much that he would actually flatten his ears. And, uh, <laughs> cute. Uh, you know, first time he did that, I stopped. It's like, okay, you don't want me to do this. And then he he did what you described earlier. He would bump my hand with his head going, mm-hmm. uh, what are you waiting more, for? More, so more, I more. I learned that his signal with the flat uh, ears was different from most cats. So every cat has a way of talking. But leave him wanting more. I have quite a few cats who will intentionally bump their head to mine, like a forehead kiss. Mm-hmm. Is that common? I get that all the time. Well, and that gets back to hierarchy and BFFs. Uh, yes, that's what cats do to each other. And they do that to promote a communal smell. So, the, you know, a smell to the colony. You add your smell to the colony. Well, you know, let's face it, 
you and I really don't know what our smell is. <laughs> Who knows where our pheromones are coming from? But, you know, uh, bumping you on the head, he's, he's using those uh, uh, glands around his mouth and his forehead, and uh, he's depositing his scent on you. And it just, it feels good. It's a closeness. So yeah. they're funny little creatures. They are funny little creatures. I have a, a water goblet. It's glass. And I like to keep it by my bath. And I like to fill it with ice cold water whenever I take a bath. But every single time I use it, I know that I must wash it out and rinse it out and start over. Because my cats find this goblet irresistible. And I don't know why it is. If I use another glass that's more narrow, they'll get their faces stuck. It's like they have a passion for drinking my water in my glass, even though they have fresh water. They have water dispensers and fresh water. And sometimes I will even try and preempt this by giving them fresh water. And they still come in and try and get it in my glass of water. What's going on with that? You know, I can't read kitty minds. Uh, no! I, Dusty! I, I cannot read kitty minds. But, I mean, you know, the freshness. Uh, it's kind of like uh, when a cat... My guess is it's like when a, a cat uh, wants to drink out of a toilet or a dog. Okay, you change the water every day in the bowl, but the, the toilet bowl gets changed many times a day. So it's always cool. It's always fresh. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe the material has something to do with it, too. You know, if you're drinking wine out of a plastic glass, it has one one That's true, taste. the glass. Maybe and they then, like the glass, yeah. you know, you drink yeah. it out of crystal, <laughs> it's a, a finer glass, it's going to have a better flavor. And so, you know, maybe whatever the material is that their bowls are made of aren't as tasty. You know, that could be plastic, it, yeah. If it's plastic, it doesn't stay cool. It tends to be a little warmer than water in, in ceramic or steel or glass. <laughs> so... That makes Just make sense. Make sure they can't get their heads caught. Oh, I have some, yeah. And they also, not just my cats, but I've seen many cats on, on YouTube, and my cats do this too. They will crawl into a sink. Why do they like the sink? Why do they like a box? You know, box, it could be that the thing. sink is cold, nice and cool, and if they, if they uh, have a lot of fur, or you know. I mean, who knows? They love or boxes. Warm. It's mm-hmm. a type of box. It's a container. Cats are weird. <laughs> Cats are weird. No, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, some hunt mice and some hunt birds and some hunt uh, bugs and worms and disgusting things that they'll bring in. So, you know, it's just a, a variety of gifts when you own a cat, isn't it? It is. We had uh, one kitty, and uh, she was a foster cat, and she was the most amazing mother. She we had six of her kittens, and uh, uh, she would disappear and then come back. And the the first time, she had a, oh, two-foot snake, and it was still alive, so I grabbed it and threw it outside. And she's like, what would you do that for? She disappeared again, came back, and she had a much smaller snake, but it was already dead. <laughs> I, yeah, so, I had I mean, one similar who brought a baby rabbit home one time. And lucky for me, it was grown enough that it didn't eat its mother or anything. But she was sitting there trying to nurse it. This spade cat, 
that it, you know, that I'd rescued, right? And she did nurse some foster kittens for me. It does happen. I know, I know. Amazing, hey? And it, you know, at the time I was fussing over the formula and the milk and, you know, I actually have pictures of them on my website, these three cats that I, it was a terrible situation. I was driving on my way to train a dog and I was in the country and I was on the highway and I saw this truck pulled over and I saw this man doing this really weird jerking motion. I pulled my car over and I said, what are you doing? And he had a bucket and a kitten's in a bag. And he said, I'm going to kill them. Do you want them? And I said, absolutely. And he said, well, it's just the kids get so attached. I have to kill them every couple of months. So he obviously had like this poor cat at home that was just having kittens after kitten. And he said, my kids love the kittens, but I just can't have them all. And I was just like, oh, what? You know, and here I am putting I'll a Band-Aid pay, on I'll it, right? i to have the cat spayed, please. Well, I said, can I follow you back? Can I this? I know veterinarians, and the guy gets all skittish, and I'm afraid he's just going to take him and run. So in the end, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a, on a wound. All I could do was save those three. But I get them home, and like, well, okay, what am I going to do now, right? So, and she saw me doing all this. She just quietly... Got her milk together. A couple days later, I was meowing at the door. I thought, oh, I guess I'll let her in and lay down. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> because it's every two hours. It's yes. a real job. Don't take in a, an orphaned animal that you're not truly sure is orphaned because mama does it better. It's really hard work. Right, Dusty? It is not only that. they uh, Moms keep them cleaner. I mean... Uh, yeah, you just you don't want to do it unless you know the kitty needs you. If, the kittens, no if you choice. find kittens and they're clean and they're not crying and they're sleeping, then uh, chances are mama's nearby unless you actually witness mom get hit. But uh, on the other hand, if if they're crying and stinky and and um, then then you pretty well know that mom hasn't been around in a while. It does take a lot to get them clean and keep them clean. It's constant licking every day. So so if they're clean, she's been there in the last couple hours. Don't interfere. Don't yeah. get your scent all over them. Don't mess it up for her. She might be feral. But if they're disgusting, like just covered in feces and their eyes are barely open because they're stuck together and they're itchy scratchy and they look skinny and they won't stop meowing at you instead of hiding from you. Okay, she's not there anymore. That's the mm-hmm. problem. So, yeah, you, you kind of need to watch when you interfere. Well, oh, we've run out of show, Dusty. Is there anything you want to add? Where can they get Cat Scene Investigator? Solve your cat's litter box mysteries. Well, uh, they can get it from Amazon, and uh, there are a few stores that carry it, but mostly Amazon, and it's available on Kindle and uh, in paperback. The The Kindle is eight ninety nine, and paperback is uh, 14 Oh, my gosh. That is so cheap when you consider, like, what it costs just for one spray bottle of carpet enzyme cleaner. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) this is just... uh, I've had cats that won't use the litter box. And it's just... uh, It it can be such a... Figuring out why they won't. What's throwing them off? What would be better? What will they... You know? And then when you find the thing that works and they they just go every time in the box, it's so nice. Well, I will say one thing I did want to say about the the book. It teaches the reader to approach the situation from the perspective of a detective 
and that's, you know, CSI, Cat Scene Investigator, and uh, because it could be a multifaceted problem. It could be health-related, but uh, health issues uh, can turn into a behavior issue. It could be fear. It could be they don't like the, the type of box or they don't like the type of litter or they don't like the location or the, the kid next door is, is tormenting them every time they go, you know, go to the litter box. So there are just... I mean, one thing I found surprising is from the, one of the, the people I interviewed said that she had a client. The litter box was in a closet in the utility room, and none of the lights were on, and so the, the cat was afraid to go to it. And so she said, yeah, just get one of those little $5 lights that don't require, you know, battery power, and you just turn it on, and ta-da, they did that, and the cat started using the box. He was afraid of he was afraid of the dark. But of course, I I found that you you know what I found that with one of my cats who's no longer with me, but when she got elderly, and it surprised me Mm -hmm. because she never had litter box problems. Then all of a sudden, she wouldn't go into the a big giant closet right with a litter box inside it that she'd always used. Wouldn't go in there anymore. And um, I put a nightlight outside it. It wasn't even in it. It was one of those, you know, it only, it has like a motion sensor. I think it was a dollar at the dollar store. And it would just come on when the room was really, really dark with a little tiny nightlight, like for kids to see their way to the bathroom, that kind of thing. And it it wasn't even shining directly in the area, but she just fixed it. She was like, oh, okay, I can see now. I think their eyesight gets Mm -hmm. worse as they age. Their night vision gets worse, maybe. Well, also, and cats can't see in, uh, they can see in low light, but they can't see in no light. And they are, I can't emphasize this enough, they are prey. Everything that's bigger than them wants to eat them. So even though they're in your house, they still have those same instinctive fears. And they don't want to wind up in the stomach of a coyote. So, And there could be a coyote in that closet. They just can't see it. So Right. Oh, okay. There could be. But but if they, I mean, I always think more like a dog. So I right away say, but but the cat can't smell the coyote. Therefore, no coyote in the closet. They shouldn't need to see it to know it's not there. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, you would would think, but uh, (laughs) they are prey. So they they have better... They have better imaginations than dogs, it sounds like. Because a dog <laughs> would just be like, well, I know there's no coyote in there. I don't have to see. The cat's like, I don't know. Better check it out. It could be there. Yep. You never know. That's, <laughs> That's <true>. so funny. <laughs> you never know. That's so funny. You make them sound a little paranoid, I got to say. Well, they, you know what they say, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get, <laughs> to you. get you. And I think that's the perfect way to describe cats and, oh. and how fearful they really are. That's so, funny. And yet yeah, they can do thing. serious damage. I mean, every time I have to deal with one that's, I don't know, it's been a few years now, but where I don't know the cat and it's injured and I'm trying, you know, I used to work at a vet office. So, I mean, situations, well, they're a lot harder to handle than a dog of the same size when they're not happy yeah. and in pain. Whoa, they've got weapons. I mean, <laughs> like 20, they, they got their mouth, fun. right? They got their yep. mouth with a bite that stings more than a dog. And then they got the 20, right? Yep. They got the 20 well, knives at the ready. 18. 18. Yeah, that's true. I would have. But yeah, <laughs> at the ready. And so that's a lot. Oh, my gosh. Can you? That's like fighting with a mini Edward Scissorhands, kind of. That's exactly right. And so <laughs> when you see a cat on his back 
and he's uh, hissing at you or whatever, you know, just give him wide berth because he's not being submissive like a dog on his back is. He is showing you all of his weapons, all of the weapons, (laughs) all those pointy things. So, yeah, you don't want to go there because that's a doctor's visit and shots and that's not fun. (laughs) Well, if you have been listening to this interview and you've wondered where you can find out more about this body language stuff, like how you know when a cat who's lying on his side and looks chill is actually about to attack or how you know which of your cats is the bully or the victim or which of your cats is dominant or who's afraid. It's surprising stuff. Go to Cat Wrangling Made Easy. That's the book. And uh, if your cat is not using the litter box for whatever reason, you can figure out what the reason is and then fix the problem. It may be as easy as switching locations or litters or it's some simple, simple thing, but you got to figure it out first. So get Cat Scene Investigator. Solve your cat's litter box mysteries and you'll stop cleaning up those urine mistakes and feces mistakes that are just so disgusting. But I know you love your cat. And it might be just such an easy solution, right, Dusty? I mean, usually it is an easy solution, I find. It can be. It can be. So, And also, the sooner you take care of it, the easier it is to overcome the issue. The more it becomes a habit. Habits are hard to break. It doesn't matter whether you're a dog or a cat or a human. Once something's a habit, it's very hard to break. I had a cat with a bad habit, an elimination habit, as you called it at the time. And you told me I had, I think it was three weeks. She had to be prevented from soiling the wrong area for a full three weeks. No Mm -hmm. exceptions to even consider that the habit might be licked. And, you know, when I think about myself or other humans I know with habits, I used to bite my nails as a teenager and it took me more than three weeks to stop. You know, I know people who uh, smoke cigarettes. It definitely is not a three-week, okay, done. Done and dusted, never want a cigarette again. I don't see that happening in three weeks with people. So if that's true, that's remarkable. But it's still really hard to keep your cat from doing the bad habit for three weeks. It's so hard. So it's easier to catch it quick, right? That's right. And, I, you know, I give uh, in, in CSI... I give a lot of recommendations for preventing them from getting to the area, making the area nasty, not nasty to us, but uncomfortable Unattractive. To yeah. Unattractive. Absolutely. Welcoming. <laughs> I know there's so many reasons why your cat might not be using the litter box. Don't assume that the cat can't be trained, that you can't solve the problem. Right, Dusty? That's right. And uh, go to my website. It's DustyCatWriter.com. And that's uh, writer, W-R-I-T-E-R. Okay, everybody. So we're going to wrap up now. I'll have Dusty back probably in a few weeks or or longer if it takes me longer to try out this Century Good Cat calming collar because I want to try it. i got to go find one and then get the cat to tolerate wearing it, and that'll be a bit of a trick. But we'll have Dusty back. If you would like to see my Golden Doodle puppies born Chinese New Year, so that was the end of January. They're just um, three weeks and a bit now. They've got their eyes open. There's 10 of them. They're on Facebook Camp Good Dog, so check them out. They're adorable. And we got video, and we got posting pictures, and plus all the dogs at Camp Good Dog in the snow that we had a couple weeks ago, and now playing in the grass and playing with each other. So if you like looking at dogs, then uh, Camp Good Dog Facebook is where you want to go. Okay, Dusty, thank you again for such a great interview and some really great cat advice for myself. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I always enjoy getting to speak to you and your listeners. You are the cat expert that the cat trainers need to talk to. That's how that goes. 
So <laughs> you are a resource. Just having you on the air makes me solve problems. Boom, boom, boom. Now I can go back to the many cats in my life and my customers' lives and straighten things out just a little. So thank you very much, Dusty. We'll be seeing you soon. I know the most common problem, the most, the number one reason why cats end up homeless is because they're not using the litter box. So if you've got one that isn't using the litter box and you've taken it to the vet and there's nothing medical or physical and you're just ready to just give up, just get this book, Cat Scene Investigator, Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mysteries. You'll be on your way to a clean house and no guilt and the cat you love. And it may be as simple as turning off the buzzer on your dryer. It may be that simple, but you've got to figure out what the problem is first. So let Dusty help you. Thank you, Dusty. Until next time, from Dusty Rainbow and Pet Life Radio, Animal Party, and me, Dapwool, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.